Hello and welcome to another edition of The Rock Show with Micah Rock and we are, where are we? We are international. We're doing another recording of The Rock Show and today we are talking the sex pit. So a little bit of the history of the band, uh, some information on some of the guys on the band. And um, we're going to start the show right now because I'm fucked up. I had a hell of a night last night. I went to a, I went to a, a party that was pretty private and was got pretty crazy. It got it got bad really quick, oh but I had a good time. So Mike, <laughs> how was your week? All right, pretty good, Rob. Pretty good. Busy week. Uh, good morning, everybody. Live from International. Um, yeah, you wanted to get into the whole Sex Pistols thing. You wanted to talk about Sid and Nancy a little bit yeah. and all that. I mean, this is stuff that's been talked about for 40 years. You know, it's all great stories, a lot of mystery and everything like that. Um, but, you know, before we get to this, Nancy, you got to get a little Sex Pistols history. And, and there's been kind of a resurgence of the interest of the band in, into the band because of that whole like, punk documentary that's been yeah. out. Uh, Johnny Rodden was uh, interviewed a lot in that and uh, gave his insight. I think it was, it's was it been done pretty well. I think the last episode is coming up tomorrow. What is um, Johnny uh, Rodden's real name? John Lydon. John Lydon. Yeah, John Lydon. Yeah. Well, they called him Rodden because of his teeth. <laughs> you know, a, a victim of the British healthcare system. <laughs> well, all right. Well, you know, the Pistols got their start uh, in uh, 1975. Um, kind of the core of it was um, <clears throat> uh, Steve Jones, Paul Cook, and uh, a guy named Wally Nightingale kind of like one of these lost figures of history. He was on base. And they weren't called the Pistols. They were actually called the Strand at that point. And they were, uh, I think they took their name from a Roxy Music song. But it, everything was based around Malcolm McLaren's shop called Let It Rock over on the King's Road in England and London. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of like not a serious band. You know, Malcolm was sort of like half managing them. But I don't think they ever even played out, if I remember right. But... Uh, they just uh, were like dicking around, really trying to you know get something going. But at that point, um, McLaren changed his shop into something called Sex, and instead of selling like Teddy Boy rockabilly kind of clothes, he started selling like you know bondage and you know rubber wear and crazy shit like that. And at the same time, there was starting to be like this music scene appearing, and um, they wanted to get more serious with the band and they wanted to get a lead singer because Steve Jones was singing some of the songs yeah. and um, <clears throat> they ended up there, there was this one guy John Lydon okay who was always hanging around and he was known for like you know making his own clothes crazy statements on his clothes he had a t-shirt that said I hate Pink Floyd okay which at the time was a you know big statement to make and no one was really doing that so he ended up getting auditioned to, to be the singer of the band and uh, he ended up singing Alice Cooper's I'm 18 and that was you know we did it good enough he's in the band so now you got the uh, the, the pistols now is Johnny Rotten and they call him Rotten because of his teeth Steve Jones Paul Cook and Glenn Matlock on bass who was also uh, a guy that used to hang around he worked in that store sex a little bit as well um, they uh, basically played their first gig in November 1975. Um, they opened for uh, Bazooka Joe. And Bazooka Joe was like a pretty shitty band 
from little things that I've heard, but they're just well known because Adam Ant was a member yeah. before he was Adam Ant. Yeah. Um, now, the, the early gigs, uh, Sid Vicious was actually there. He was a friend of theirs. He was a fan. He hung out, and he was just a crazy guy on the scene. You know, he was known for. Uh, fighting with people, and he kicked the shit out of this journalist named Nick Kent, his rock journalist, who was going to write about the band, and Sid actually beat the shit out of him at a show one day. And uh, um, Sid invented the pogo dance, which is just like jumping up and down in place, and you know, all those video you've seen, a lot of that was, was true. That's, that's what was going on at those shows. Wow. And um, finally, uh, uh, they... They basically were having a hard time getting gigs, all right, because of the violence and because of the, the crazy stuff that would go on. And you could, they were playing like strip, strip clubs and uh, so they were real, taking any, any gig anything, they any gig they could, any gig they could, uh, places for uh, you know art schools and things like that. Anybody that could take them, but the regular rock venues they couldn't get in. Okay. What, why, what made this band so interesting? What was the big thing about the Sex Pistols so that people still talk about them today? Like they became like this iconic kind of. Yeah, kind of I, you band. know, it's a lot of people have different ideas on this. I mean, some people think it was all media driven. I don't think it was. You know, the media in England is different than the media here, at least back then. Okay, you know, they were very into sensationalizing things. Um, but really, n nobody sounded like them, you know, especially talking like late 75, early 76. Uh, you know, the Ramones were around at that point, and they, they came to England uh, in July 4th, 1976. And a lot of those British punk bands that were just starting out, like the Pistols and the Clash, yeah. were there. Yeah, the Clash. So they, they influenced each other. The next show we're going to do, we're definitely going to talk Clash. Okay. Yeah, that's, there's, there's a lot to talk about. That, that could be a two-parter. That could be a two-parter. Sorry to interrupt. No, not at, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. What was happening was uh, 76, going into 77, they, they ended up on tour with, uh, it was called the Anarchy Tour. And it was basically um, the Pistols, the Damned, the Clash, and then they brought over Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers. Okay? Yeah. Now, they, they, well, the thing is, there was about 20 shows scheduled. And they only did a handful because they were just getting canceled up and down the whole country. Okay. Okay. Now you know a lot. Uh, Johnny Rotten's been on the record saying like this: this tour is what brought heroin to England because of Thunders. Wow. So there's some truth to that, I think. Okay. Um, also, uh, at that time they would start. You know, they were putting out singles like Anarchy in the UK. Uh, God Save the Queen, and the songs were hitting number one. They were selling like crazy, okay? Now, it's when God Save the Queen came out, it's interesting because Top of the Pops wouldn't play the song. So if you look back at like their, their I don't know, it's not really Billboard, whatever their Hot 100 is, okay, for the week, that particular week that it hit number one, they refused to have a number one. So it was just left blank. <laughs> they were, I mean, so in some ways, this band is like you know one of the most hated and picked on bands ever, I think. Okay, um, but there was a lot of problems. They were getting ripped off. Uh, they weren't weren't getting paid for these shows. Malcolm McLaren was ripping them off like crazy. Uh, there was a lot of infighting in the band. 
Uh, Rotten was always kind of an outside of, you know, Jones and Cook were like a team. And uh, Matlock wrote a lot of the stuff. He was very talented, a uh, good bass player, a good song songwriter. Um, but him and Johnny had problems. They just couldn't get along. So um, I think it was February of 77, uh, Matlock leaves the band. And they needed a bass player. So they ended up getting Sid. Okay, now Sid couldn't play bass to save his life. He, he couldn't. He couldn't figure it out. Okay, there's a funny story where uh, he went up to Lemmy from Motorhead, and he said, "You know, um, I don't know how to play bass. I can't play bass." And Lemmy said, "I know. <laughs> I know you can't play bass." <laughs> you know, and he wanted to teach him. You know, I don't know if he ever actually did, but uh, he couldn't play. But you know, he had the image, and you know. He was a fan, so they gave him a shot. But he was the kind of guy that um, really shouldn't have been in a band like this. It was really just self-destructive. I mean, the guy had some definitely some emotional problems and everything anyway. But uh, he believed his own hype. So he was always trying to outdo himself, be as shocking as possible. Okay. Now, um, uh, they did their first gig with, with, uh, with Sid in April of 77 and they were going to be recording the first album, the only album, never mind the bollocks, yeah. here's the sex business. There's only one album by yeah. that band, you know? And, um, you know, while they were working on it, it was obvious that Sid, you know, couldn't play. So Steve Jones did a lot of the bass parts. There was rumors that Glenn Matlock was brought in to do some bass parts. I don't think that's really true. I think that he might have been involved a little bit with uh, certain things in the studio, but he does not play on that album. There's a lot of people that think he does. He actually does not. Um, they didn't bring him back. Um, but Sid actually plays on one song called Bodies. Great song. And uh, in the mix, Steve Jones actually overdubbed it so much that it's so low you can't even hear it. You have to have headphones on to kind of hear it underneath it. It's, and it's not good. It's not good. Okay, but like I said, he had the image and he was crazy and, and that, that's what they were looking to do. Um, they released that album in October of 77. And uh, now at this point in, in 77 when they were recording and everything, that's when uh, Sid met Nancy and that whole thing got started. Nancy Spongin was a groupie. She was a stripper. She was from here, okay, originally from Philly, but she lived in New York. Uh, Part-time prostitute, okay. <laughs> basically junkie, basically a, a walking mess, all right. And it's a really sad story. There's a book called, uh, And I Don't Want to Live This Life, uh, written by her mom. And the book came out, I think, in the mid-'80s. And uh, really good, uh, but it's a sad story. I mean, the, the girl was a mess. And uh, it she always... It wasn't the happy ending that she put. No, <laughs> we're getting to that. We're getting to that, okay? Uh, she was a huge New York Dolls fan, and, you know, a groupie for Johnny Thunders, and hung out with Johnny Thunders. And uh, when she went to England, she was set on meeting a rock star. That's what she wanted to do. So when she went there, she ended up meeting with, with the Sex Pistols. Supposedly, Steve Jones banged her. I don't know if that's true or not. Okay, I'm sure she went around a few guys. Um, but she ended up with Sid. And, you know, he was probably the most, uh, for her, she could control him. You know what I mean? Uh, and she got him into heroin. 
and that was the big, big downfall for me. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think Johnny Rotten says it best in the Phil from the Fury uh, documentary that everybody should see. It's a great film. Even if you're not a fan of the band, it's a great movie to watch. Um, he said it great. He said heroin is like, you know, the worst drug because it takes away all creativity. And that's absolutely true. You know, when, when someone is on dope and, and they're a musician, it just sucks out whatever creativity they have. And it, they just can't do anything anymore. You know, I've seen it happen numerous times with people have lost friends to this, and it's a sad thing. So, Sid kind of became a symbol of all that, okay? Yeah, because he, he had a bad problem. Oh, he, he had a, I mean, he was a bad habit, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, his hero was Johnny Thunders, and he was trying to live up to that. Johnny had this notorious reputation, okay? Some of it is not true. Some yeah. of it is true. A lot of it is true, okay? But the reputation alone is what, what Sid was trying to live up to. And, uh... It was just a matter of, of a time, really. So is there any chance that, that Sid Vicious uh, met the crazy cab driver that, that <laughs> dropped me off? <laughs> no, 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 no. That was yeah. a different drug. Maybe that's, the, maybe that's the way Sid met Nancy. <laughs> no, 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 no. That would be fucked up, but yeah. <laughs> um... You know, when when Sid joined the band and they started doing more shows, uh, the shows got more violent. Um, they really couldn't even get gigs under their own name. They started playing under uh, this thing called Spots, which was Sex Pistols on tour secretly. They would they would they would go around and they would you know do gigs under different names, like the Tax Exiles or like you know name, name, <laughs> names like that. They couldn't use the name Sex Pistols. Nobody would book them. You know. Um, then what happened was probably one of the craziest things ever in music. Uh, a British punk band called the Sex Pistols decided to do a tour of America's Deep South. Now that was absolutely insane. Malcolm McLaren basically signed their death warrant doing that. They didn't come to New York to play. They didn't come to L.A. to play. They didn't come to you know any major city really until the end. They ended up playing San Francisco, but. They went down to the Deep South Cowboy Country in 1978. Oh my God. Okay. And, you know, they were driving around by bus and going to shows, and everybody was there to kick their ass. I mean, because they heard about the reputation of the band. You know, I'm sure some of the girls liked the band, and the Cowboys didn't like it that their girls liked the band, and, you know, so they'd throw shit at them, fight them. And Sid was. You know, a guy that wasn't going to take any shit. So, you know, there's one show where he smashed a bass over somebody, somebody's head. And the oh, audience shit. split the guy's head right open. Okay? And at that whole time, you know, his, he was sick on dope. And in the deep south, you weren't going to be able to find heroin. So, you know, he was always sick and, and out of it and trying to get drugs. And... He was just getting his ass kicked by everybody, you know. He'd go on stage bloody before the band even started playing. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there's all those pictures of him with his face smashed in and blood pouring down while he's playing. All that happened, you know. I mean, it really was just, like, insane. That's kind of iconic, some of those images. Yeah. Oh, God, it's like yeah. looking you sick. Know? And he was definitely, I mean, he was into cutting himself. He was carving, his, you know, carving things with razor blades on his chest and, you know, crazy. So, anyway, that tour was the death knell to the band, basically. Uh, the last, the last uh, night they played was at the Winterland Ballroom in San Francisco. And there was nothing left. 
Johnny Ron didn't want to be in the band anymore. Everybody else, they were hating on each other. They couldn't get along. They had no money. They were broke. They were miserable. They just did this like couple weeks tour that went nowhere. And that's the famous show where Rotten says, uh, you know, have you ever felt, have you had the feeling you've been cheated? Okay, classic line. And, it, and, and they were. And they, they did like one song and walked off the stage and that was the end. <laughs> yep. How long were the Sex Pistols together? What was their... Well, like I said, like 75 to the very beginning of 78. So it was like just a little over two years. Two years yeah. I mean, it was a crash and burn but kind of thing. It's amazing how people still talk about it until today. And they had, they had, after that, they like reunited. After, I think after yeah, six, well, that's when I got yeah. to see them. Um, in 96, they reunited with the original lineup with Glenn Matlock back. They mended fences and they got back together. And that was a, a great tour. Uh, they sounded great. You know, and, and, you know, Johnny Ron's been around. He's John Lydon in Public Image Limited. I mean, he never left. You know, Public Image Limited had a lot of albums. Most of them were pretty good. I've seen him live a few times, and he always throws in a few Sex Pistols songs. But uh, uh, he never left. You know, he's still been around. And when, they got, when they got back together, they played uh, a bunch of shows. I saw them at Roselands, I believe it was. Wow. Yeah, that was a good gig. Well, we're going, like I said, we're going back to 96. That was 13 years ago. Uh, I mean, they did the whole album, I remember, and a couple of like the B-sides, uh, a song called Satellite. That's great. I remember that. Uh, Rotten sounded great. I mean, it was perfect. You know, Matlock was a real good bass player, so, you know, it brought a lot of, you know, good music to the band, you know, by seeing him again like that. Um... Okay. So after that Winterland Ballroom gig, that was the end of them. And, you know, they went their separate ways. And like I said, Sid was really sick on drug addiction, heroin addiction. And they, he ended up recording a single, uh, My Way, a version of My Way. Okay, you've heard that, yeah. right? Okay. And uh, a couple of Eddie Cochran songs. And by mid-78, he actually relocates to here in New York City. Okay, with, San with uh, Nancy. And uh, he ended up playing some solo gigs at Max's Kansas City. And, um, you mean Kentucky? Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> Max's Kentucky City. <laughs> and uh, he played some gigs with Arthur Kane from the Dolls and Jerry Nolan from the Dolls. Uh, they had a band called The Idols. Uh, they backed them up. And, and, you know, he was very well received. Uh, you know, he was lead singer, he wasn't playing bass. And, you know, you can get that album, it's interesting. Uh, you know, it's cool to check it out. It's a nice little little solo effort. Uh, it's called Sid Sings, it's live. It's taken from like different shows at that time. It's not just one show. Um, now, Rob, you wanna get into the whole, the whole murder thing? Yes. Okay. Well, every, you know, a lot of people that knew Sid and Nancy, they knew their, uh, their relationship was pretty volatile. A lot of, you know, both of them were very badly drug addicted and, and would do anything pretty much for money to get high. And they were constantly fighting with each other. I mean, it was nothing to see, you know, at a club if they're hanging out to see Sid punch her in the face or something like that, you know? And also it was nothing for Nancy to, uh, you know, do something for some dude just to get some money, you know, right in front of Sid practically. You know, it was just a mess. You know, so during that whole time, uh, 
things were going bad for them, and, and October 12, 1978 was when Nancy was, was found dead, okay, in there. They were living in the Chelsea Hotel, and she was found stabbed to death under the bathroom sink. Blood all over the place, you know. And Sid found her. He doesn't know what happened. He calls the cops, and they arrest him, okay? And he, first he says he did it, then he said he doesn't remember. You know, it was all a big haze. It, it could have been a drug deal go wrong. Maybe he said, hey, I'm fucking sick. I don't got money, but Nancy will suck your dick. And the guy probably said, fuck you, I want my money. And I, I, I think it was more like, it could have been like that, but I think it was more like they probably owed money all over the fucking oh, place. Yeah. I mean, because that was well documented. They owed drug dealers all over the place. And somebody came in and was like, give me my money. And, you know, she didn't have it, and he stabbed her. All right? There was a book that came out uh, in the... I think mid 2000s that that mentioned a guy named Rockets Red Glare. I don't know if you ever heard of Rockets Red Glare. He was like a stand-up comedian. No. And he was also a heroin dealer, <laughs> and he was their heroin dealer. So there was there was he passed away uh, a while back, but um, there was you know rumors that he was involved with it that he did it, you know. But uh, Sid was the one that got arrested. Okay. So they take him in. You know what's funny? If they had today's technology of DNA and yeah. stuff, they, they didn't. Ha they didn't out. have that forensic they stuff could back then. Probably figure out who it was. Probably could. That's true. That's a good point. You no, know, they can actually get some of the clothes, some of the stuff, and reenact. You can get some of the guy people's yeah, DNA. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing they had was the knife was there. It was a 007 knife, which we Jesus all know Christ. is gigantic. Yeah. Okay. And, and the story was that he had bought this 007 knife because Didi Ramon had the same one or something like that. Didi was a big knife collector. And, um, yeah, like you say, if they had that forensic stuff, they, they probably could have figured it out. But he goes to jail, and uh, he gets out on bail. And right away, he ends up going to uh, this old club called Haraz. Okay, and he gets into it there with Patty Smith's brother Todd, and he breaks a bottle across his face. <laughs> now he's he's out on bail, so he's he's going back to jail now. Okay, he's now he's going back to jail. Right? They take him to Rikers. Now, if you can picture Sid Vicious going to Rikers, yeah. now they put him in a 55-day long-term drug detox program, which basically back then was like probably a, a tiny bit of methadone and just sit in your cell and sweat it out. Yeah. Okay, they was just they didn't have anything for these guys back then. Um, he did the 55 days. He gets out. And not too long after that, he ends up going to a party over on Bank Street. Okay, supposedly he had a new girlfriend then at that point. I don't know. And... Uh, at this party, uh, there was a bunch of people there, uh, including his mother, Ann Beverly was her name. She had come to New York to, to be with him. And uh, Jerry Only from the Misfits, I believe, was there, and you know a few other people. Um, the story gets hazy at this point. He, he ended up, you know, he hadn't done any dope in 55 days. Okay, so, or more than that. So, uh, what ends up killing a lot of people is when you go back and do it again, you do your regular dose. Now, that'll kill you because you're, you're clean now, okay? Yeah. So he did some, and he OD'd right there, but he was, he woke up, okay? They, they got him, they revived him, he was okay. No ambulance called, nothing like that. Later on that night, 
uh, he asks for more. Okay, and he does another hit, and that kills him. Okay. Yeah. And that was the end of Sid, right there. And, you know, and what's sad is the guy, you know, was a human being, like us all, and he had his demons and everything. But for a long time, and maybe not so much now, but in my time growing up in the punk scene, there were people that thought that shit was cool. That thought that the whole dope thing and, and stuff was like, oh yeah, be like Sid, you know. I remember kids used to wear like the Sid Lives shirt with like that famous picture of him shooting up on the end of the bed, yeah. you know. Like that, I I was always like, that's retarded, that's stupid. Yeah. Okay. He was like, he represented like the worst possible thing you could do to yourself, you know. I mean, and 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 at the time, you know, punk rock was still an edgy thing. And it, I guess it'll always be an edgy thing. I shouldn't say it's not anymore. It's just things are different now because people are used to seeing this stuff. But back then, that kind of music was dangerous. And I think that uh, what came out of England mostly was, was a political statement that I think in America we totally didn't get because we don't understand their, their social problems as much. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Of course. You know, you know they, they, they grew up in a, you know, those guys grew up dirt poor, uh, you know, in a, in a small country. It's, it's totally different. You know, it's more socialist. It's, it's a different kind of country. And what they were fighting against was just, you know, basically able to, to people make a, a life for themselves. You know, you were promised in school, you know, oh, you'll be this, you can be that, follow this way. And they, it never materializes. So that's how that got started over there. But with Sid, that wasn't about any of that. Sid was kind of like, you know, the worst negative image that, that punk rock probably ever had, I think. And, you know, I didn't know the guy, but I know people that did. And they said, you know, he was a nice guy, but just had demons. demons yeah. You know, and, and that part for a long, long time, like I said, not so much now, but for a long, long time, that was the image that was put forward in punk rock. And I think it did it a disservice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because um, the Sex Pistols were great men. Musically, songwriting, fantastic. Okay? But they got kind of pigeonholed into this, this negative stereotype. And it took a lot of bands with, the, with them, too. I think a lot of bands that were great, you know, Ramones and other bands, uh, some of the early hardcore bands, they could have been bigger had that negativity not happened within the scene. Um, there is like a little epilogue at the end here I just want to mention because a lot of people don't know this little part of it is uh, you know when he died um, he wanted to be cremated okay I think that's what his wishes were and he wanted to be put with Nancy but uh, Nancy's mother wanted nothing to do with that she's buried somewhere I think in Pennsylvania or wow. Jersey or something like that and uh, I know that uh, Sid's mother went down to talk to her and get the permission and and she wouldn't let them do it sprinkle the ashes on the on the grave but the story goes they went and did it anyway oh, shit. they did it anyway yeah so he's actually laid to rest with her wow. um, which is what he wanted um, now another interesting epilogue with this is years later I would say I think this had to be in the last 10 years or so Sid's mother passed away, 
Um, and on her deathbed, she actually confessed that she gave Sid the last shot wow. that killed him. Wow. And she did it because she knew that he was going to go to jail forever. And she knew he could never survive in jail, and she didn't want him to die in jail. And and she, you know, she was a a heroin addict as well. A lot of people don't realize that. His own mother was as well. But that was something she had done years, you know, not not with Sid until the very end. But uh, she gave him the shot, supposedly. Now, if you believe a deathbed confession, you know, it's probably true. You know, I don't know why somebody would say that on their deathbed if it wasn't true. Yeah. So the whole story is very, very sad. Now, the, sad. The, 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 the Sid and Nancy movie with Gary Oldman, okay, is, is a great flick. But it doesn't really touch on everything. Yeah. You know? So. Um, you want to get into the album of the week? Yeah, what is the album of the um, week? What, I'm going to, go ahead. What up? Talk about the Gary Oldman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Gary Oldman, tiptoes? The, the tiptoes. <laughs> How fucking ridiculous is this? Okay, just in case, in case anybody listening didn't hear, uh, in last week's podcast, we were sort, starting to wrap things up, and a guy in the bar here uh, mentioned something. We were talking about Gary Oldman and Sid and Nancy for a minute, and he basically mentioned about a movie called Tiptoes. And it's from 2003, and it's a movie with Matthew McConaughey, and Gary Oldman plays his twin brother. Now here's the catch. Everybody in Matthew McConaughey except him, everyone in his family are midgets. Okay, so Gary Oldman is playing a midget. And now he actually does the whole movie on his knees. All right, and there's a lot of like, you know, trick camera angles and stuff to try to like make it look like he's not on his knees. This movie, when we heard about it, we saw a trailer in the bar, we watched it uh, right after the podcast, and this is what we've been talking about all week, this fucking movie, okay? I watched it on Amazon Prime the other day, and it's it's just worth it. You know, I paid like $3.99 to see it. You have to see this film. I mean, it's just so bad that it's great. So bad. Okay, it's just like, they should double feature it with freaks. That's how bad it is. I don't know. I guess they. I don't know. And and to to, it's hard enough to believe that Oldman and McConaughey are supposed to be twins, even though one even though one's a midget. Okay, I mean that's that's a stretch. But the fact you know. But it gotta be different. They gotta also be different in age. How can it be twins? Yeah, yeah. Oldman's like gotta be at least 10, 15 years older than him, at least. So it's the whole thing is just a stretch of the belief, you know. (laughs) Okay, but uh, you know, and then of course you got that exploitation element because you got Bridget the Midget in the movie. For those of us who don't know Bridget the Midget, she's a midget porn star. Yes. Okay, and is she dead? No, I don't think so. Not that I heard. I would be sad if I found out she's dead. I like Bridget the Midget, but. uh, you know, and in the movie she has sex in the movie. It's just like, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's just crazy stuff going on in that flick. And the ending, I won't spoil it for you. I'm sure you all care. <laughs> uh, the, the ending is just totally like, what the fuck just happened? Okay, so <laughs> now me, me, you, and, and, and Freak John, we were all talking about this all week. We gotta have this movie shown here. Oh, we gotta do a viewing okay. party. Okay, we gotta have a viewing party, and you gotta get 
you got to get some of the micro wrestlers here for that. Oh, yeah. Okay, I, that I that would be that would be a fantastic party. <laughs> that totally would. Totally would. Oh man. I, I think I think what we should do we should do like a podcast where you watch the movie and we just commentate during the whole fucking movie. Yeah. It's, it's fucking, it be well, it could be like a mystery science theater three thousand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With the midgets running around. Oh my god. Oh man. <laughs> the micro wrestlers you had in here. Yeah, that'd, that'd be oh, fucking imagine. great. So. Um, so what is the album of the week? Yeah, the album of the week, uh, I'm going to just stick with the theme, and that's, you know, never mind the bollocks, here's the Sex Pistols, okay? Uh, everybody should have this album. I don't, you know, what kind of music you like, if you like rap, you like rock, you like whatever, you know, it, it's an album that is unique, there's nothing like it, the, the sound is great, uh, it's one of the angriest albums ever made, as far as I'm concerned. It's kind of like a little microcosm of that time, so you can understand what it was like 77 in England and what they were bitching about and all that. And uh, it stands the test of time, you know. I think years ago um, they had done like a list on like Rolling Stone magazine and, you know, I couldn't give two shits about Rolling Stone, but they actually gave it the number two album of all time, number one being Sgt. Pepper. So, you know, I mean, wow. even, even, even they acknowledge it. And at the time, you know, they wanted nothing to do with that band. You know, um, that, that album was pretty much a um, um, tribute album to Paul McCartney because the guy that played Paul McCartney now is Bill, Billy Shepard, is the guy that took over for Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney died. And the Beatles yeah. were so famous. They what the fuck does the Sex Pistols have to do with Paul McCartney? I was going to say that you bring up that whole Sgt. <laughs> Pepper Lonely Hot Band. And well, also go oh, to. I got you. I, I got am, you. I am trying to do a cheap pop for. Um, for your conspiracy, conspiracy 420. 420. Yeah, yeah. We got to start that. When, when we were smoke pot and uh, bring out these crazy conspiracies that are out there. Yeah. Should we start it on April 20th? That wouldn't be a bad thing. 420? Yeah. 420? Does anybody realize that next year the whole month will be 420? Oh yeah, that's right. Next year's 420. The whole month of April will be 420. Yeah, 420. Oh be a lot God. of wasted people walking around Holy that shit. day. Oh shit. I, I didn't even I didn't even think of that shit. Yeah. It's 420 though. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty incredible. That's a that's a good conspiracy. <laughs> Rob, Rob, I'm drinking a Bloody Mary. It's like the best Bloody Mary you ever made me. I'm, I make a main Bloody Mary. Damn. It's fresh. Damn. It's refreshing. Bloody. It's delicious. Grease your gears. Today. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I'm ready to drink some more. So what else we got? Well, 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 we got the show tonight. Yeah, tonight we're okay. going to the show. We'll be at, um, um, we'll be at Coney, Coney Island Baby. Uh, Robert Gordon is playing. Uh, Robert Gordon's a living legend. Okay, everybody should see him at least once. Rockabilly guy. He's been around for 45 years. Um... He still sounds great. His voice is fantastic. He's got uh, Chris Spedding on guitar and Tommy Price on drums playing with him. Wow. Great band he's got with him tonight. Uh, oh, and actually, Chris Spedding actually produced some of the early Sex Pistols demos. Wow. Yeah, so wow. this guy's been around, and, and to hear him play guitar is always fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the show yeah, tonight. So hang, out with, hang out with the, uh, with the rock show. Come down, yeah. to, come down to Coney Island Baby on Avenue A. Uh, between 10th and 11th Street, and I think it's about 20, 20 bucks to get in. 
8 o'clock show tonight. There's a band opening called Jeremy and the Harlequins, which are pretty good from what I hear. I've never, I've never actually seen them. Um, the other show coming up later this week I want to mention um, is... Uh, I'm not big on tribute bands. Tribute bands are like really big now, right? I mean, it seems yeah. like there's so many cover bands around doing different like, things. Uh, mini, mini Kiss is big. Well, Mini Kiss is shit. <laughs> that, now you're told, that's, that they're more than a tribute band. They're a real band as far as I'm concerned, okay? I've seen that stuff on, on YouTube and I mean, they're freaking they're hilarious. They're fantastic. freaking hilarious. Another tribute band, if we're going to talk about that, that we should, everybody should see is Max Sabbath. Max Sabbath. Have you heard about them? No. Okay. Max Sabbath is a, they, they dress up like the McDonald's characters. The singer is Ronald McDonald. Oh, my God. You got Mayor McCheese on guitar, okay? Grimace is on bass, and fucking the Hamburglar is on drums. Jesus okay? Christ, and the Hamburglar wears, wears the, 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 the outfit. They all wear the outfits. The Hamburglar is wearing the outfits, but he's got Peter Chris whiskers. Oh, my like God. A, like a cat, like a cat yeah, Hamburglar, yeah. okay? And me and my wife saw them uh, uh, two years ago out in Long Island at this club called Revolution in Amityville. And I wasn't expecting a whole lot, okay? I would just figure they're funny to watch. These guys can play. They do Black Sabbath songs. They change all the words around to be about, like, eating hamburgers and shit. Okay? So instead of, like, instead of like Iron Man, it's Frying Pan. And they actually cook burgers on stage. Yeah, they actually, right. You know, and the, the, the singer's Ronald McDonald. He has a total, like, Aussie-British accent, okay? And, he to and they, they're theatrical. They're funny. I don't know how they play in these outfits, but check out Max Sabbath. But anyway, what I was going to mention is um, at, at, at Drum on 85 Avenue A, Friday night, you got two very good tribute bands that have been playing around now. One's called Straight to Hell, which is a Clash tribute band. And playing with them is Rockaway Bitch. Rockaway Bitch is a Ramones cover band, all chicks. Okay? And they're good. Very good. What time is that show? You guys? I, uh, I think it's like, you know, 9 o'clock, something like that, yeah. This week, I got a big week also. I got, um, <clears throat> it's WrestleMania weekend. So on right. Friday, I'll be with the freak show. We'll be at the um, Hilton, I oh. think on the Going west on side. Uh, and we'll be uh, at the WrestleCon. So come visit us at WrestleCon. We'll be throwing pictures. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, put a bunch of video for Patreon, and <clears throat> we got the show on the road. So tonight we got a road trip. We're going to go to Coney Island, baby. That's me and Michael Rock. If you guys are around, come say hi, take pictures, um, and um, give us a shout-out. Uh, I'll be there right after work, so I should be there by 820. Okay. And then we're going to be watching the show. I'll and, save a table for you. And um, we should talk about the show next week at the podcast. And yeah. I want to do a show on The Clash. You want to do a Clash is going to be a two-parter. <coughs> yeah. Clash has got to be a two-parter. There's just a lot of history there. And, uh, you know, you got to kind of talk about the periods up to London Calling and after London Calling. Because they're kind of like pretty different after London Calling. What if we could? <laughs> what if we could book many kids in the tipping tall viewing party with the micro niches? I would have an orgasm. That would that would be that would be awesome. Okay, okay. Mini kiss the mic. We could have like fifty minutes in here. <laughs> Without question. I mean, there's room. <laughs> Without question. There's plenty of room for him. <laughs> Holy shit. 
man. Oh. All right. So, you want to wrap, 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 wrap this up? Wrap. What else you got? That's all I got for you, man. Uh, oh, how about the Rolling Stone? You got some news oh. on the Rolling Stone. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, well, it's everybody knows now. Yeah. Um, I, I got to wish, uh, <laughs> wish Mick Jagger, you know, uh, get well soon. I hope I hope he gets well. No one knows what the problem is. They canceled some dates. Um, they're not saying what's wrong with him. They're saying that he's supposed to make a full recovery. But I hope he's okay. You know, he was the last person in that band you didn't figure to get sick. Yeah. Um, and they're not one of these bands that cancel shows all that much. So yeah. it's kind of a big thing. But get well, Mick. Get well, yep. Mick. All right. Uh, so let's wrap it up, Mike. Um, they can follow you on Instagram. What yeah, I'm on Instagram now, Rocker Mike 212 And I think on Thursday I get out of Facebook jail, everybody. Oh. Okay. Fucking Zuckerberg, <laughs> Zuckerberg in the penitentiary is going to let me out. Okay. And I'll be causing my shenanigans again. I'll probably end up in jail within a week. Yeah, you're going uh, to do a little <laughs> Born to be Alive, I see. No, listen, whatever you do, people, don't post anything with Hitler singing a disco song called Born to be Alive. Because you will end up in Facebook jail for 30 days. Can you believe how many viewers that shit got? Thousands. No, it got like 130,000 viewers. That much? Wow. <laughs> Damn. I mean, you know, because it it's crazy. funny. Because it's funny. I'll even plug it. Just go on YouTube. The guy's just making fun of... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just they, they, they took the song Born to be Alive <laughs> and they spliced it with all the Nazi, uh, you know, rallies and stuff like that and they made it look like Hitler was singing. It, it, I thought it was hilarious. But the, thing, the, yeah. thing, the thing is, the thing is ridiculous because they totally make it, they totally shit in the, the Nazi. Oh, totally. They totally shit in he makes you know, him look like such an asshole. No one has a fucking sense of humor anymore. You know, that's that's the fucking problem, all right? Yeah. You know, you could make a movie years ago. You could make a movie like The Producers. Oh, The Producers okay? is a great movie. Uh, you you know, couldn't make Blades and Saddles today. No, no, you couldn't. You couldn't. Some fucking little snowflake would have a heart attack. You know, well, anyway, that's a whole other show. That's we can, we can yeah. bitch about that. Yeah. So, so we're wrapping it up. Uh, people, have a good weekend. And we'll see you next Sunday. We'll be talking about the clash and the show that we went today, that we went to see today. All right. Very good, gentlemen. That was a good show. Very good show.